Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 433. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Nom Nom, Electric, and Capital One. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello. Hello. That was a strong... What? what? Were you... Was that a British accent? No, I was just saying, hello. Like, hello. It, But it sound, didn't sound like it was... It just didn't sound like you. It had like a, a different effect to it. Anyway. It was me. And I have the pleasure of introducing Federico Vitici. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. <laughs> hey, fellow kids. How are you? Howdy doody. Good. Mm. Uh, I need passion. So I want the I want the passionate ones to go fill oh, out. Oh, not from us. Okay. No. All right. Not today. Uh, please go to the link in the show notes and fill out the do the passionate ones know you form. Uh, I will make this the last reminder. So before our next episode, <laughs> is this, is this I will close off. Yes, this is a threat. Uh, I will close the, the submission. So this is for a future quizzes segment. Please, if you could uh, go and fill out the Do the Passionate Ones Know You form. Uh, you are trying to guess things that Stephen Federico like or don't like in their lives. And I will use this as uh, a future game of the quizzes, the first quizzes of 2023. So please go fill this out before our next episode. Thank you very much. We had a, uh, some feedback from listener Jose about the survey and the and the mm-hmm. quizzes and the whole thing because you are going to reset the scores this year mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. and they suggested that we do seasons and we can keep up with the seasons and so in the 2022 season ah. you know i had x number of points federico had x number of points and then that kind of gets stored historically somewhere and then we can yeah. keep track over time yeah it's just the plan i mean it's not like every year we've it's like erased from our memories like I will know that Stephen won the first year. Yeah, but I think we need to know the scores. Right? I think the numbers are important. There are many tracking websites that will all have this information, as well as my own spreadsheet, which will have this information. Don't do not fear. Is it tracked on uh, websites? Yeah, Jason of uh, Wikipedia made Quizipedia, right? That's right. That my bad. I'm sorry. I want to talk about my Mac Mini. We're going to okay. uh, why. Any particular reason? Well, we'll find out later in the show if Apple, you know, released a new one or not. No way of knowing uh-huh. right now. But the new one starts at five ninety nine, which is pretty sweet. And I have, I've got a Mac Mini in active service. It is a base model from twenty eighteen. You know when they went space mm-hmm. gray and it got good. And it is like a DVD player and it runs Homebridge, but it's my last Intel Mac in service. And I was like, you know, at some point I'm going to replace it. I was like, maybe this is the time. But it runs Homebridge, and I'm afraid to touch it. <laughs> so, and you guys are making fun of me for this because you think Homebridge is really fragile. Doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't understand the Homebridge Home Assistant lifestyle. I feel like you're just signing yourself up for a future problem. That's how I approach mm. these things. Like, small home stuff is already complicated enough. I just feel like you're only setting yourself up for a, for a failure. But what else is running on that Mac Mini? It runs Time Machine backups, like the server component for it, for a couple laptops in the house. And it runs, what is this? It runs Plex, which I don't really have anything in. For a minute during the pandemic, I thought I would get into Plex and I just didn't because I don't steal media anymore. 
So I don't even know what I'd put in it. You don't have to steal the media. You can just Yeah, like, but that's what most people do. You think Casey's buying all that stuff he has in his Plex library? No, I know he's not. I, I know <laughs> I know he's not because there's things on there you can't money can't buy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't run a ton. But, you know, it's uh, at some point I'm just thinking about doing it. And a, a quick Google search while I was talking does show it seems like it's pretty easy to move in between. But uh, the reason I use HomeBridge, I've talked about this, is to get my ring and my home security system, which has like its own app, which is terrible, to bring that into HomeKit. And so I really like having HomeBridge. I find it very useful to have that stuff in uh, in HomeKit, but I'm also a little afraid of it. I had a homebridge set up here at the studio for a while, and then just one day, the homebridge um, app just said that the server clock was wrong, and mm. that was the end of it. What were you yeah. running it on? Uh, a Raspberry Pi. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've I've found it to be less reliable than running it on a Mac Mini, but hmm. that doesn't mean that the on on a Mac it's perfect. Uh, it's just I've had a better experience running homebridge like continuously in the background on macOS than on a Raspberry Pi. But yeah, I wanted something ideal. low en- like low energy, low overhead, you know, which is why yeah. I want the Raspberry Pi route. Mm. But just ultimately, I just it, it just those things just feel like they're going to break eventually. So like my kind of feeling with with smart home stuff is I don't want to get used to something and then it not work anymore. So I try yeah. and stay official and use like if I'm, you know, trying to get as much stuff home kit as possible and or use get used to using an app, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I have a Ring uh, security thing here at the studio. I just use the Ring app. Like, the Ring app is fine. Like, yeah. that's just it. Because I don't want to get used to it all being in home kit and then it just doesn't work anymore and then I'll get annoyed. So, like, I just try and, like, minimize my potential future frustration. Because all of these things, like, it only takes like one change on ringside and it either might not work anymore or might not work for a period of time until the community fixes it. And like if I have something, like I find a piece of equipment that's a little bit more esoteric and then no, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I feel about these things. And so like, look, we already seen, it's hard enough for Apple to keep HomeKit the way that they want it to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like let <laughs> alone something like HomeBridge. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I run it on my Mac Mini because I already had that running, right? Yeah. But uh, I, I like having the stuff there really for automation more than anything else. Like when I leave the house, I get a little notification like, hey, did you arm your security system? And the again, like the it's like a, some sort of like uh, generic app that then gets branded by my security company at the house. Right. Like they don't have mm-hmm. any control yeah. over it and it doesn't offer any of that stuff. So it is nice. Um so maybe I'll take this on. Uh, it looks like, I mean, there's. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, how to back up and restore. So maybe it's not too bad. Yeah, you let us know how that goes for you. Will do. I don't know if I'm, I, I don't think I'm upgrading the mini at this point, but if I do at some point in the future, I will have to contend with this. This episode of Connected is made possible by Nom Nom. Don't settle when it comes to your pup's health. Make the switch to fresh food made with real ingredients and backed by science. That's Nom Nom. They deliver fresh dog food with every portion personalized for your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real whole food you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to things like bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. 
Their nutrient-packed recipes are crafted by the board-certified veterinary nutritionist they work with, and they make fresh, uh, fresh dog food shipped free to your door. Nom Nom's already delivered more than 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. I know our dog, uh, we've we've had some issues with her food over the years, and we finally got it right, and it's it's so important to us because she's happier and healthier once we got her diet right, and I mean, our dog is like another kid in our house. Um, It's super important to get this right for your pet, and Nom Nom is a no-brainer when it comes to this because they have a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash connected. That's trynom, T-R-Y-N-O-M, trynom.com com slash connected for 50% off. Our thanks to Nom Nom for their support of the show. It's been a weird week this week. It's just a bunch of Apple products. It's like... In January. <laughs> it's November and January over here. I think I, I think that's literally what this is. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is what it is. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, uh, John Gruber linked in Daring Fireball that the, the video that they posted to the Apple's website had 2022 in the URL. Yeah. It's just like, this is obvious. Like they, they This stuff was probably meant to be done at a certain point. They just couldn't make it happen. The end of last year ended up being a bit of a disaster for manufacturing. But I really liked that we got a mini kind of keynote for this, like a 20 minute well-produced could have been in the middle of a keynote video. Mm-hmm. My own personal expectation is this was a 20 minute part of a keynote video. That's what I actually think this was personally, but whatever, it's probably not that um, unique of a take. It was presented by future CEO, John Tannis. a big fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that we had this video because it kind of made it that everybody got the information rather than just people that got briefings or whatever. Like we all could share in this info outside of newsroom posts or whatever, right? It was like, here is everything. And I thought that was really great. Like I liked the video a lot. I found it very informative. And I also could understand why that like if this is all they could release now, it was not worth having an event, right? But mm-hmm. this is so much better than just his three posts on the Apple Newsroom site, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the video was cool because it had, and Apple's done this before, but it had a bunch of creators and like, uh, including our friend Austin, which like, I sort of screamed. But I was like, hey, hey guys, it's Austin. Very reminiscent of, I think, what could have been part of a, a bigger keynote. Like you add this with today's announcement of the HomePod and you throw in some Apple Watch saved my life, as someone in our Discord said yesterday. And a retail update, it's like, you can see the shape that this event was supposed to be before it got sliced up. And I mean, who knows why it got delayed, but it is definitely interesting to see kind of how it rolled out. And I can't imagine this was the original plan. So we got a bunch of things, right? We got new M2 chips, so the Mm -hmm. Pro and Max chips. We got Mac Mini and we got the MacBook Pro. I would like to start talking about the M2 Pro and Max chips specifically. Mm. Because I don't know what you guys were expecting for these chips, but they have exceeded my expectation because I feel like M1 to M2 wasn't huge differences, right? It was 
pretty small, actually, the difference between the M1 and the M2 chips. Right. Um, it added, like, the video encoding thing, right, if I'm remembering correctly, like, into the system on a chip. Yeah. But from a power and performance standpoint, not a, like not a huge difference. But the M2 Pro and Max are between 20 and 40% faster, like for like, to the M1 Pro and Max. Mm-hmm. So, like... 20% greater CPU, 30% greater GPU, 40% faster neural, and the M2 Max specifically allows for 96 gigabytes of RAM in the MacBook Pro, which couldn't happen before. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm blown away by this. And Me too. I kind of, I'm very surprised, like very surprised, because it's showing that the base chip does not dictate the performance of the higher level chips, which is what I'd assumed would be the case. And it also makes me wonder, well, is it always going to be like this? Like, Will the M3 be 20% faster CPU and 30% faster GPU than the M2 Pro? Like, what is, I, I, I've, I've felt like the M2, origin, like the standard M2 told the story going forward, right? The, the M1s were just hugely more powerful than Intel. And then the M2 would be like smaller, you know, kind of like what the Intel chips would be like every year or two, right? Mm-hmm. Smaller performance increases. But these are huge performance increases. And like, it's not just the percentage, there's then like 20 to 40% faster performance in a bunch of applications yeah. compared to the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips. It's wild. The number of like cores from the M1 Pro to the M2 Pro, it went up a little bit. And same thing on the GPU side. And those cores are better because they're based on the M2. And I, I mean, I, I was I was surprised too. I kind of thought that, you know, if you took a graph of like the M1, M1 Pro, M1 Max, and then you graph the M2, M2 Pro and M2 Max, it'd basically be, be parallel lines. And that's not what we got. And that's that's exciting. I mean, I think if you're... I think if you're disappointed in this in terms of like performance, I have, I have two thoughts on that. One, uh, I think they've done a better job than we expected. But but secondly, it was always going to be this way, right? Like the jump from Intel to Apple Silicon was a one-time, you know, hair blown back kind of thing. It was blow away, as Apple may say. Mm-hmm. And it was always going to settle down to something a bit more pedestrian as they got into the rhythm of these releases and i feel like they've they've exceeded that bar but even if they had met that bar i think it would have been fine i mean the same thing happened when they switched from PowerPC to intel right like the macbook pro is four to time time four to five times faster than the powerbook well the second macbook pro wasn't four to five times faster than the first one right like it's this is how these things work i don't think if you have an m1 pro or m1 max machine in your life i don't think you've got to upgrade to this unless you're one of those people that really is living at the edge of what your hardware can do. I think this is a great opportunity to move to Apple Silicon if you haven't already, but, uh, but very exciting uh, nonetheless. And I think that if this is an 18 month cycle, which is about where these things have landed roughly, I think that's pretty good. And, and, you know, the cadence of Apple Silicon is still a bit unknown because this does seem like it happened later than Apple wanted. And to, Plot points on a graph aren't enough to call a pattern yet, but I am excited about the future. If they can keep this up and they keep the cadence pretty regular, I think it's going to be uh, really successful. So 
Morogfire in the live chat in the Discord is saying that the Pro Max got an additional two efficiency cores. The GPU got three and six cores, respectively, from Pro and Max. Okay. But still, the, the CPU performance being 20% higher is like... I mean, that, there is these are just bigger jumps than I expected them to mm-hmm. be. And I So the M1 Pro and M1 Max MacBook Pro, that came out in 2021, like fall 2021, right? Yeah, it was October... I think it was October 21. I think it was October on like it was kind of around that time. So I expect this was supposed to be a 12 month ish. Yeah. You know, or it's closer to 12 months than it is to 18 months. It feels like in, in, in what it would have expected to have been. So again, that just surprises me. Like when you do it every year, you get these kinds of gains every year. I, I don't know, but I'm surprised about the year over year performance. Yeah. And the, and it wasn't just. Uh, and the MacBook Pro is not just system on a chip stuff. And so they also got HDMI 2.1 for the first mm-hmm. time. I think the first time in a Mac period. Mm-hmm. And you can now drive up to an 8K display and you can have other displays at a higher frame rate. Um, that's That was something that was a little surprising last time around that it was only HDMI 2.0. This time I think they had to do it. Like 2.1 has been out a while. It's becoming standardized on a bunch of other stuff. So I'm glad they were able to move to that. Uh, and we also got. Do you wine. think that could be for a ProMotion Studio display? It could be. I had that thought because um, mm. uh, you know, two point one can push some pixels, man. It really can. So, yeah, I think it's possible that they are leading up to this and doing it over HDMI um, instead of Thunderbolt would be really interesting. So, because they have they collapsed right years ago all their stuff into Thunderbolt, and mm. now the HDMI port back. It gives them flexibility they didn't necessarily have just over the Thunderbolt bus, and I think that's, I think that's really interesting to keep an eye on. Mm. I don't know what Thunderbolt can push in terms of frame rate. I th- yeah, I think a lot of it has to do. I'm a little out of my depth here, but I think a lot of it has to do with um, when you adapt out to HDMI. I think you get a hit, and like basically, other than Apple. There's very few people out there doing true Thunderbolt displays out in the rest of the market. There's stuff that's mm. USB-C, but not necessarily Thunderbolt. And I think you need yeah, the additional I was going to say, most of them are going to do like, they do uh, display port display or port. USB-C. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbolt 4, I'm not sure how many pixels Thunderbolt 4 can, can do up to 240 frames. Okay. Nice. All right. So yeah, but yeah. most of the other displays they were doing display port over USB C, yeah. and that's definitely not two hundred and forty. Yeah, but this would give you, as you say, to I me, mean, if if we just we can remove my weird speculation about studio display, you you could get a higher frame rate display as you guys are talking about, and plug it into the HDMI port, right? And then you'd be yeah. you'd have a much better experience, I would yeah. expect, and one that's much more, for lack of a better word, open, right? Like mm. HDMI can drive almost anything so yep it is uh it's exciting there um and we also got wi-fi 6e and bluetooth 5.3 and i know federico you've been talking about you know that like the wi-fi in the place that you moved and yeah. maybe what you want to do with that and 6e i is went with wi-fi 6 instead yeah. of i went with 6 instead of 6e because it, that seemed a little unnecessary the 6e the arrows are so expensive that's the other thing yeah i went <laughs> I went, exactly, it's like, I probably don't need this fancy or 6E stuff. I just went with the Eros that have the regular Wi-Fi 6. And uh, they've been excellent. 
but yeah, this is. I mean, it's nice the future proofing the you know with having six E, which it, I, I guess you know in eighteen months it's gonna be more. I, I don't want to say standard, but it's gonna be more popular for sure. So it's nice to have. The biggest news though, color matched MagSafe cables in the box. The MacBook Air has this, and now the Pro gets it. True. Yep, I got a beautiful midnight cable. Ooh, I bet that's nice. Makes sense. It's a beautiful cable. Yeah, it's really nice. I don't. I wish the power brick was that color too, though, because like it just goes into the white brick, which just isn't as fun for me. But I do like, I like the color matching. Um, I, no, I genuinely, I think the biggest news is twenty two hours of battery life. Yeah, that's on the sixteen inch with. I think it. It's like the biggest battery you can put on a plane in the U.S. Right. Uh, that's wild to me, and and part of that. I think probably is tied to those those additional efficiency cores where macOS and this hardware really work together to do as much as it can on the efficiency cores. Now, if you push it, it has no problem lighting up the performance cores. It's not like it's uh, begrudgingly going over there and turning those on. But background tasks, the stuff we do every day, right, it can run on those efficiency cores. And 22 hours of battery life uh, is... I mean, it's astonishing to me. And, you know, I've got the 14-inch M1 Pro. Mary uses it. I have the M2 Air. Their battery life is great, but this seems uh, this seems really cool. And I think, it's, I think it's an hour or two more than the previous one, but it's a wild number. It's uh, 18 on the 14-inch, which is still bananas good. Yeah. I mean, and that stat is like Apple TV app movie playback. So like, you know, you're grading it on a curve depending on what you're actually doing with the thing. But the fact that it can get 22 hours is 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 wild. That's just an obscene no. amount of battery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can you can uh, you can watch the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy back to back and uh, Great. you're going to have battery <laughs> in your computer. How many Star Wars can you watch? I don't know how All many of them, of them are, did they make. Like 15. They, they made more. They recently made more, right? Yeah. They made one yeah, called like Andor, which is really good. And or. <laughs> like and or? No, yeah. the guy's name is Andor. Ah, okay. It's like Federico it's and or Tichi. Like, Every like, time you know. recently I have said something and or something, I hear and or, the, hmm. the, the guy instead in my coming hmm. up. And uh, do you see the season three trailer for... Uh, Mandalorian, Mandalorian, yes. so good. I so, am, I am so hype. excited. Yes, yes. It's gonna be Federico, lit. Have as you the kids watched say. Last of Us yet? Have you watched Last of Us, Federico? Not yet, but I think I'm gonna start it tonight I because think so. I, I gonna start it this week too. I have my sweet, sweet HBO Max subscription with mm. my VPN and everything because mm. uh, they they do it in Italy, but I don't want to see the Italian version. Um, I wish I could get HBO Max. Just uh, sign up. I, I get it with app. another service. Yeah. Like I, I can get the, I can ah, get okay. the show with now, like a service called Now TV here. So I can oh get yeah, it. yeah. But I would prefer to just have HBO Max. But. Mm-hmm. Okay. So both. I would of... need one two John to sign up for me or something. Like I tried. <laughs> with, like I can't sign up. They won't accept my card. I don't have yeah. one of these. Oh, I did American this all myself. Cards. I have my, I have my fake US App Store account, and you oh, can you sign up for HBO that. Max from. Yeah, because oh, that's it's clever. easier. You just uh, you just uh, you do it through that, and then as long as you connect via VPN, you don't need to create like a separate uh, HBO account like on a website. You just do it. Through While the App we're Store. in this, like these nests of weird things, 
talking about App Store accounts. Why can't I use Apple Pay on the Mac App Store? You can't? Wait, does it not offer it? You cannot use Apple Pay on the Mac App Store. I cannot remember the last time I bought something from the Mac App Store. Same. I wanted to buy something today, and I didn't want to put it on my personal card. I wanted to put it on my business card, so I ended up not buying it. <laughs> it's like, don't know what to do now. Got them. <laughs> they, probably for, they probably forgot to do it. Like, it's maybe it's as simple as that. No idea. I have no idea. I'm having so many problems with, like, since we moved with billing stuff with Apple. So, like, every receipt that I get has my old address. I have changed it in every conceivable place to the new address. Like, I can't find my old address anywhere in any Apple ID, anything anywhere, but it still keeps sending all my uh, subscription things to hmm. my old, to like, as like billed to my old address. You got to email. What to do about it. You got to email Eddie. He can fix it for you. It's like, come on, stop writing blog posts. Fix my email. <laughs> he did write a blog post. It was wild. Yeah, stop doing that. Fix my address yeah. instead. He's a, he's a he's a man of the times, right? No one's on Twitter anymore. Mm-hmm. People are blogging again. Eddie wants a piece of that. <laughs> you think yeah. that was him blogging? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a mastodon <laughs> soon enough. He was... Pterodactyl. He was floating in his pool, and he had a MacBook, the tw- old 12-inch MacBook, because that's his favorite. He was typing away. Oh. Don't think about it's like, too yeah, hard I- about my envisioning of that in my mind it's nice i'm thinking i'm obsessed now with that thought (laughs) can we talk about the mac mini please Mm. please they did it they did the thing they did it it was kind of though it was so weird that the m1 pro only showed up in the macbook pro last year or two years ago and the mac mini meanwhile had the base m1 and then the intel version from 2018 was still for sale until this week and it it seemed like such an obvious hole in the lineup, and I, I don't know why they never put the M1 Pro in the Mac Mini, but they've done it this time, so you can get an M2 or an M2 Pro. That means you can spend anywhere from five ninety nine up to like six grand on a Mac Mini. Like it, it's all the options on the M2 Pro, and I think I think something that's actually kind of important here is that you can now get a Mac Mini with more than two terabytes of internal storage space. Because the M1 and M2 have lower storage capacities, the M2 Pro goes up to 8 terabytes. And so if you're using a a Mac Mini and need a bunch of storage or just a bunch of power, now you can do this. And it kind of slots in between the basic Mac Mini and then the Mac Studio above it. The 599 starting point is just incredible. Because this base model machine... It's still more powerful than most people will ever need. Right? Yeah. Like in, in the conceivable future for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like eight core CPU, 10 core GPU, eight gigabytes of RAM, 256 gigabytes of storage for $600. That is a great deal. It's a great deal. The, the right? storage is and a little $500 bit... $500 for education. That's awesome. So good. Yeah, the storage is uh, a little bit of a bummer. But, yeah, but just buy a hard drive and stick it out of the back. You know, I guess like so. it's you know, I I think for for that for six hundred dollars, like that's so that is so good. I think that is so good. Is it cheaper than the Intel machine? Uh, I think it is. It is. I think so. Yeah, because the Mac like, Mini. Can you imagine that they put the price down? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, the Mac Mini started life as like the the cheap. Mac, or I think it was the first one was four ninety nine, and then it crept up over time, and they they haven't gone back to that four ninety nine price point. 
But 599 is pretty close. And in this era of inflation, I guess, maybe it's as close as they could get. But it's I feel like with this one, they've kind of they've kind of brought the Mac Mini full circle where it's now the by far the most inexpensive Mac you can buy. But also if you need a beefier one, you can, you know, crank it up. And that was that is what was so cool about the last Intel one, that 2018 space gray one. Because you could just throw all sorts of cores and memory and storage at that thing. And yeah, the price went up. But if you needed a Mac Mini with some real horsepower, that was really kind of the first time you could do that. Because they had kind of neutered the Mac Mini before, making it just dual core. And so now they've kind of stayed with that pattern in the new Apple Silicon era. And I think it's great. I think a lot of people have been waiting for this, especially the M2 Pro and... uh my guess is the M2 Pro one will sell better than the base one, even though it starts at $12.99. It's a big price jump. I think that a lot of people want a Mac Mini that has a bit more horsepower than the base model. So you got options now, which is cool. It's a shame mm. that they didn't do anything to the design. I know. It's been even, the same they for like a decade. They don't even have the colors. Like they used to have the dark one, right? They don't have that. It's just silver. It's all silver. Yeah. Would have been nice. Victor points out inflation adjusted the original Mac Mini would cost seven hundred and seventy dollars. <laughs> it's a deal then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a deal. I'm thinking about this machine, you know, I just I just got a refurbished Mac Mini with the M1 like a, like a couple of months ago. In hindsight, I probably should have waited, maybe. Uh I don't know. Still, um I'm thinking about this. I don't know. Uh, maybe I could, I mean, realistically, this is, you know, a machine that I should use like twice a, twice a week just for podcasting. Uh, I don't want to do everything else, anything else on, on Mac OS. Um, you're probably good at what you got. I'm probably good with what I got, hmm. you know, realistically speaking, I think the next version of Mac OS is going to run just fine on it. Yeah. And it's been working just fine to handle like my room music library always on in the background connected to a Thunderbolt drive mm-hmm. on my local network. I am going to set up the, uh, my, did I tell, did I release this information publicly on the show? Uh, <laughs> I got, our, I got Michael to send me a, an HD, what's it called? HD Home HD Run home TV oh, yeah. Yeah. From the UK. I can't remember like the, if we spoke about this on the pro show or not, but yeah, I bought a HD home run. It came in a really nondescript box and <laughs> then I mailed it to Federico. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm going to set it up and so that I can uh, well, set up live TV in the in the office where I work um, via this TV tuner. They're super nice. But yeah, I think I'm probably fine with the M1 Mac Mini. I don't think I need... Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm really... That that M2 Pro machine, like it's super cool looking in terms of the specs, and like it's still very very compact. Yeah, and you get four Thunderbolt ports, which is more than you've got. But I don't really need it. That's the thing. Like even with the four Thunderbolt ports, which I'm super happy to see, I still don't need it, which is too bad. You know, it turns out when you write and when you edit, you don't need to be too fancy. So maybe I should be a video creator. Maybe you should get like six 8K displays and run, what is it, 27 streams of 8K or whatever nonsense they usually throw out there. Maybe I should, maybe I, yeah. Maybe I should you could transfer your data at 40 gigabits a second with Thunderbolt 4. Yeah, imagine that, you know I mean? so fast. Think about yeah. the bit rate. 
You could do multiple streams, it says, of 4K and 8K ProRes video in Final Cut Pro. Do you want to do that? Okay, yeah, you don't need... Why are you doing like a sales pitch right now? I don't know. You said you wanted to be a video creator. I'm trying to encourage you on your dreams. I'm just thinking out loud. Okay, all right. Going to be a vlogger. I'll tell you what I'm really intrigued about. I don't know how Stephen will feel about this. I can't wait to see the benchmarking between the M2 Pro Mini and the M1 Pro Studio. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, which uh, hmm. which Mac Studio did I get? Oh, well, the, uh, well, the, I get so well, the Studio is Max and Ultra, right? Okay. So the, not the Pro, because the Pro yeah. only ended up in the laptops. So my Mac Studio is the M1 Max. It may it may still hold off the the Mac Mini, but probably not by much. We'll see, right? That's we'll see. I'm just intrigued. Like, how close will it get? Because I, I, I just think it will be funny, considering the size difference of the, 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 the two of them, you know, mm-hmm. all the holes you got in the back of your machine. There's a lot of holes. There's a lot of holes. A lot of holes. Uh, I do wonder about noise on the on the M2 Pro. I guess we'll we'll see how that goes. So, Federico, you talked about uh, you uh, and your, your Mac Mini. What about you, Mike? Are you... New home, new me. New home, you know, new you interested in a uh new home new mic new, new yes. mac that's what i'm getting at yeah the the, the what i have you know so I, i've been running now for many months this like two laptop life that i have right where i bought the macbook pro the 14 inch macbook because i was really excited about it and i was running my imac and then i got even more excited about the macbook air so then got the MacBook Air. I use the MacBook Air as my daily machine. And then the M1 Pro MacBook Pro is just sitting here docked to a couple of displays all the time. And so I feel pretty confident now that for me, it will be laptop and desktop. But the Mini is not what I want. This M1 Pro is fine. I, I, at this point, I'm actually keen on seeing if Apple do a bigger iMac. Mm. With a really nice display. I think you're going to be waiting a long time for that. Yeah, but I have a very powerful M1 Pro, MacBook Pro sitting here doing doing the job for the time. Like I don't, you know, for me, like I don't, I don't have any desire to change um, to anything else right now. So I'm I'm just going to stick with this. Like if they do a bigger iMac, that that might be really interesting. Uh, outside of that. I have no desire. I really like having my main computer be a laptop that I can plug into a display. Mm-hmm. Like that works really nicely for me, um, because I, you know, I'm my main desk is nowhere near my home, right? So right. like, I, I like having a laptop for my main machine. But the MacBook Pro as acting as a desktop is not a thing that I need. It's just because. I have this machine and it's super powerful. So it is best used in this configuration. Mm-hmm. But ultimately I'm realizing again, it's like I, what I want is some kind of desktop machine most likely, but there isn't a Apple don't currently have a product where I'm like, that's what I want. Like this mini is really nice, but like I don't feel like I particularly want that more than the laptop that I've got right here. So hmm. I'm not going to make any any moves for a while. I I'm, I want to see what the rest of this year holds because, you know, I want to say, will they do a nice display? What could that mean? Like, will they do anything to the to a bigger iMac? Who knows? But yeah, I don't think we're going to get a bigger iMac this year. So maybe I'll just stick with this for a few years. I actually kind of think the M2 Mac Mini, it makes me feel like that big iMac may not come ever. That maybe they're content with. Okay, we got a couple of different desktops. We have the studio display. 
maybe they're going to have more displays in the future and that that sort of optionality is enough in their mind. I hope not. I think the big iMac is an important machine. I think a lot of people really like it, but I think Apple is maybe de-emphasizing it. So like a lot, if they do an, a bigger iMac, so many Macs, like the Mac yeah. Studio through a spanner and the works of everything. It like, did. We still have a Mac Pro to come. I know. <laughs> That's just hanging out there in John Turnus's, you know, secret lab next to the weight machine, probably. Again, if you have an M1 Pro or Max, I don't think you got to go out and replace it. But I think if you were hanging on to an Intel Mac, Apple continues to move the ball forward and, and Apple Silicon and, and these new machines look really, really impressive. But you say that I was talking to an unnamed developer friend of ours. James. When this, I'm not going to say who it was. They currently have an M1 Max MacBook Pro and they are immediately going to upgrade because Xcode is like 20 to 30% faster, <laughs> I think it was. That actually sounds like Which underscore. Like, that sounds like I've, I, I, look I'm not going to say who it was you already, you said it twice and both times I said I'm not going to say because that's up to them to spill the beans right but I, I just thought that that was really interesting it's like if that's your work like that is a meaningful time difference like so I'm not saying people should upgrade but there are reasons that someone might want to upgrade even from the previous year's machine which mm-hmm. is not what I was expecting at all anytime there's a, a announcement like this, I sort of reconsider my setup. I'm not changing anything, but really, do you? I know. No, no that was shocking. Because no. for a long time, I've been desktop and notebook. So I've got the Mac Studio and I have the MacBook Air. But there are times where I think, could I go back to like one powerful, like really nice, you know, maybe a 14 inch MacBook Pro? use it at my desk, and then when I need to take it somewhere, I have all of my stuff with me. I don't think I want to do that, but partially because I really love the M2 MacBook Air. Like, it is, I think, Mike, you've said this too, it's one of my favorite Macs ever made. Like, there's just something about the M2 Air that feels really special, and I've been using it a lot over the last couple of weeks because I've been doing some stuff outside of, outside the office away from my desk, and it's so good. Like, it's light, it's small, it's powerful. So I don't know. Uh, I think if you are a laptop as a desktop person, you know, like Mike said, you've got you got a lot of good a lot of good choices. This episode of Connected is made possible by Electric. Turning a small business into an empire takes work, and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take it to the next level. But this can be hard when your attention is pulled in different directions. That's the reality of being a business owner, of being a boss. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. So instead of spending time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can focus on building your business. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Delegation is so important when you own a business. All three of us know that. All three of us have learned that over the years. And with Electric, you can delegate your IT task to the professionals so you can focus on what you need to focus on. And for connected listeners, our dear passionate ones, Electric is offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai connected. That's electric.ai connected for a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of the show. So we go from a selection of products that are really great, 
meaningful updates, things that we were looking for pushed in the directions we wanted. Let's now talk about the brand new HomePod. It's the new HomePod, which is the old HomePod, kind of. But the screen fell in. <laughs> yeah, it uses the screen, I think, for the mini, but or, you know, bigger, but that sort of look. Uh-huh. I was so surprised that these look the same. In fact, if you if you look at my blog post, I make a joke. I use the old photo. I'm like, oh, wrong one. Here's the new <laughs> one. Like, they yeah, are the good. same. I thought it would be a ball. I thought it was going to be like a HomePod, but bigger. Like in my mind, they're going to take the HomePod and scale it up in Photoshop, you know, 200%. But it uses a very similar design. But guys, it's now white and midnight, not space gray. So... I can't tell the difference in the photos. Why is it white and midnight? What is wrong with this company? They don't make white anymore. No. They make starlight. starlight. Well, Why? Because then that, then that HomePod would look brown, right? Like you can't do a starlight HomePod. <laughs> you know, can you imagine like, so ours is in our kitchen and we have a, a space gray one. It's my only of my three original HomePods that still work. And like... I didn't put a white one in there because I didn't want it to get dirty. And the starlight is already off white. It's like, that looks like someone spilled a bunch of almond butter all over it or something. So, And also, like, maybe I need to see some images. That looks like the same color. as I, the, It doesn't look like midnight. Midnight is like a blue color. This is, these images don't look blue. It, it looks, looks black. like space gray it's again. It's just black. Yeah. It's so confusing. Uh, and I'm, I'm so disappointed that they didn't do the colors. The HomePod mini colors outside of the iMac are the best colors Apple has right now. Like I've got two orange ones. I've got one on each side of my studio. Yeah. And they look so good. They're vibrant and they're fun. The HomePod should have been that. But this design is more or less uh, reused. Now the inside is mostly new as we'll talk about and in some ways worse than the previous one actually. But uh, the design is basically the same except the top panel now looks like what's on the HomePod mini which is nicer than what's on the original HomePod, I think. Inside the new HomePod is the S7 system on a chip that came out in the Apple Watch Series 7, I guess like a year and a half ago. The original one used, what, the A8, I think? And so moving it to the the Apple Watch system on a chip, just like the HomePod mini. But it means that it only has 802.11n wireless networking. The old one had 802.11ac. Um, and it's Bluetooth 5.0. So it is behind the rest of the products what? other than, I guess, the Apple Watch. <laughs> I haven't heard 802.11n in what feels like 12 years. I know. Yeah. I know. And it's fine, they, on, it's fine on a watch. Like, who cares? But And it's probably fine on the HomePod, too. But it's just kind of funny to me that it's a downgrade. I mean, it's got to be, right? Like, this is a streaming music device. If It's got to be okay. But it's still just well, like... It's also, it's also a HomeKit hub. Yeah. So, so I don't... Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. There's a lot of stuff that it does that apparently the HomePod mini could also do. They just didn't turn it on. <laughs> just funny to me. Yeah. Uh, the price is $299. So the original HomePod 100 years ago was $349. And then when they didn't sell any of them, they cut it uh, to $299. And a bunch of people... Bought them on sale even cheaper than that. Like I, I didn't pay even two ninety nine for any of my HomePods. Like they were on sale at Target and Best Buy and Amazon all the time. I would have liked to see two forty nine. I think for me at least the price, like because the HomePod Mini is ninety nine bucks. I'm not sure this one, as good as they sound, is not worth the extra two hundred bucks. But it's better than three forty nine. So I guess there's that. Yeah, I don't think 
a lot of people would hear $200 difference in this. I haven't heard it yet, but I mean, it's a I, big difference. Yeah. I mean, I've heard the old one and the old one sounds good, uh-huh. but I don't think it's $200 better than the minis, especially if you're like me and you have a pair of minis. A pair of minis sound pretty dang good. And that's still, uh, you know, only two thirds of the cost of one of these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Federico, can you tell us about the sensors and like the smart home stuff that it's getting? Yeah, so this one has this new uh, built-in temperature and humidity sensors. Um, so you can, uh, you know, you can measure your indoor, uh, like your indoor environment, like for how cold or hot it is and the humidity level. And you can connect that, of course, to HomeKit automations. So, for example, if you have a HomeKit like a fan or heating system or a humidifier or something, you can put together an automation that... Um, when a certain temperature is reached, uh, then of course something should happen. I am curious to see what happens here um, because if memory serves, the home app by Apple has historically been kind of weird when it comes to creating automations for sensor uh, value thresholds. So this thing, like, for example, if my humidity is between 50 and 60%, like this uh, type of trigger, has long been supported by the HomeKit framework, right? So the HomeKit API lets you do this. For many years, though, it's never been possible to put together these automations based on Threshold, uh, thresholds of values in the home app by Apple. You had to use something like Home Plus, which is a third-party app, to do this automation that is actually based on the native HomeKit framework. There just wasn't a native UI exposed in the home app. Now, I haven't checked 16.3. But based on, which by the way, I meant to interrupt you before, Mike, but then you were going on about the Mac Mini, so I felt kind of going bad. Uh, yeah, you were talking about it, and it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm just yeah. living. Just doing your job on our yeah. podcast. Just, yeah, you, just you were shut, just going you know on about the Mac Mini, it's like, I'm being <laughs> respectful. Uh, but breaking news, 16.3 release candidate is out for developers with official support for the second generation HomePod. So that coming out. Uh, anyway, I haven't checked 16.3 yet. I assume, based on what Apple is saying, that there will be better support for these types of things, given that they mentioned temp- automations for temperature and humidity. So hopefully you will no longer need a third-party app if you want to do an automation based on a threshold of values from a HomeKit sensor. The other new smart home feature is this sound recognition functionality. Sound recognition has been a feature on the iPhone for a while. I think for the past couple of years, I want to say, iOS 14 maybe. You've been able to set up these sound recognition features in the accessibility section of settings, and your iPhone could alert you if it detected something like a smoke alarm or a baby crying or a doorbell ringing. Incredible accessibility feature for someone who's deaf. And, you know, you can have your iPhone tell you, hey, look, this this type of sound 
coming out of a, a device in your home. Incredible feature. Uh, now this is also coming to the HomePod, um, and specifically Apple mentioned that the HomePod will be able to listen to uh, alarms for smoke and carbon monoxide, and the it will send you a notification directly to your phone. So instead of the phone doing the listening, the HomePod can do it too, but just for smoke and carbon monoxide alarms, which is cool. I had to really think about this when I read the feature, right? Yeah. Because I was like, I mean, the alarm lets me know the alarm's going. Like, I had to sit and really think about it, but I was like, oh, but maybe if I was out of the house. Like, I figured that, then I was like, oh. If you're out of- like, I had to really think about it. I was like, well, the best alarm is the alarm. <laughs> but, yeah. In my studio, I've got a, a fire, like a smoke and carbon dioxide alarm that's compatible with Ring. For that reason. So if I'm out of the house, if I'm gone, I'll know if the pod cabin's on fire. And likewise, our home mm. security system has smoke alarms that, you know, it, they would call me and say, hey, you know, there's something going on. There is a, a peace of mind that that brings, but you've had to had, you know, a connected system before. And so I think this is actually low-key pretty cool that if you're out of the house and you have this set up and hopefully it's easy and to set up and I'm kind of hoping they prompt people to set it up. Honestly, like if, when you open the home app, it could, uh, it could be really a good thing for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good because you don't have to buy new equipment. Yeah. And every, you know, hopefully yeah. everyone's got, you know, just the base at the, at the least the basic smoke detector that, you know, beeps. And if they've tuned this well enough to hear it, that's a big deal. Another new feature is this new confirmation tone. There's a new confirmation sound when Siri uh, does something to control an accessory that is not like that doesn't show like a visible change, uh, or maybe it's located in a different room than the HomePod. So, like for example, if you if you control your heater or um, something that doesn't have like doesn't have a, a like a visible change like a light, uh, there's a new confirmation sound. So uh, it, it, you should, it should be more clear than before whether a Siri request for a HomeKit accessory that doesn't show you immediately what it does has in fact performed what you asked. You know what I want out of this, Federico, is I want this to work for lights that are not in the room the HomePod is in. Well, they say or for accessories located in a different room. Okay, yeah, that's what I want. I want to be able to say, hey, turn off the dim light and I'm in the bedroom I can't see if the dim light's on or off, but I would like to know that it happened. Well, all of this is better than yeah. I, the bedroom light has been turned yeah, on. The, right? yeah, like, that's yeah. the, I think that's the best thing for me here of like, if it just okay. s- stops the bedroom shouting light is at on. me. <laughs> yeah, like I don't need it. I don't, yeah. Yeah. the sound is good. And, and finally, the ambient sounds feature, which again has been around for a while, uh, again, past couple of years. Uh, it's they they have their own little like white noise feature going in in iOS and iPadOS and the HomePod. Um, those ocean rain sounds, wind sounds, all that kind of stuff. They have been remastered, so there should be better, h- higher quality ambient sounds. And apparently, the automation story goes on here as well because you will be able to add these sounds to an HomeKit automation, a scene or an alarm that you set on the HomePod. So, better rain for your automations. It's like Automation April over here, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what they're doing? Yeah, Automation April, you know, I made, a, I made an automation that plays the sound of a thunderstorm when I open the door. It's, you know, just spitballing here. 
luckily, the HomePod Mini is going to be getting these features with iOS 16.3. Yeah, this is the plot twist here. The HomePod Mini. Because I was going to be super mad if this didn't happen. Because, like, none of this, right, is, like, especially, like, the sound recognition thing. Like, none of this seems like it requires a brand new HomePod at $300 to do. Especially when we know the Mini has had this sensor in it for its entire lifetime. It's been locked away in there, a little temperature humidity sensor, doing nothing. And it looks like iOS 16.3 will uh, enable it, which is which means you now have, you know, not in, in addition to all the hopefully better automation stuff, you just have a status of like any room you have a HomePod mini in, you know, the temperature and humidity. So for me, in my office, I have like, I even forget who makes it. I bought it a long, long time ago. It's a HomeKit enabled it's a little box and it just sits on the bookshelf and has a little, a little like uh, screen that tells me the temperature and humidity and it shows up in HomeKit. Well, you know, if that thing kicks it, then I've got HomePod minis that can do it too, which is cool. I have some real time. Ooh, follow up, I guess. I don't know. Um, from nine to five Mac fan of the show, Chance Miller reporting that the original HomePod just got its own uh, release candidate for 16.3. And get this, a bunch of these features are also coming to the original HomePod. Good. So, uh, there's they put a, a temperature comp- sensor in there. How did they so- do it? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was always there. No, it doesn't have that, but you will get the confirmation tone stuff that we just spoke about. So it'll it'll play this new sound when controlling accessory that accessories that doesn't show a visible change or are in a different room. And apparently, you will be able to set up recurring automations via your voice. So you will be able to say, hey, uh, hey assistant, every time I open the door, uh, turn off the lights or something like that? iOS 16.3 brings iCloud advanced data protection features to wo- worldwide. Ah, Nice. Okay. That's the best piece of news. Okay. I'm so excited about that. So now I am more off. protected than before. I don't understand yes. this hump up. I don't get it. Uh, I mean, the thing. Is, so the thing is, I, I think I don't get it. Obviously, the reason why they pulled originally is that they really wanted to have a device that was going to be matter compatible. This one is matter compatible. Like it's a, what? What is the proper terminology when you have you are a matter controller? Controller, right? Is the, so I think they they really wanted to have a new one with proper official matter integration. This one does it. I'm not sure why the original couldn't be though. I am not sure either. Or maybe they really wanted to have the temperature sensors. I do not know. The thing that strikes me as a little bit confusing is you. Uh, so this is the same. This is, this product looks the same as it did five years ago when the new one, when the first one came out in 2018, and it costs the same. You know, despite plenty of competition that we have in this space. I mean, I know I've done the research lately. It. it the thing is, for, for the longest time, you could have said, well, but the HomePod sounds better. Um, there are some differences in the internals with the new one. Um, we did a bit of a comparisons for the Mac Stories article. Uh, this one has uh, fewer tweeters compared to the original HomePod. Even though it looks the same, it's got five tweeters inside instead of seven. And, uh, and was, everyone's leaving Twitter. You know, f- fewer tweeters. I know, right? It's tweeting less. It's tweeting less. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the shape of those speakers is also different, which uh, you know Quinn Nelson pointed out on Mastodon today. So I'm definitely interested in in 
knowing how this sounds compared to the first one. And it just feels a bit, uh, I don't know, it just feels a bit uninspired. That's yeah. all. Like, if, if this is the end result, like it's the same with the new sensor inside and actually fewer components for sound, why the long wait? I, I mean, I don't know. We'll never know, right? There's never going to be someone who comes on the show and be like, hey, I'm from Apple. Actually, let me tell you why this came out I now. Just, like, I, I don't understand why this needs to exist in this form when the HomePod mini exists. In like, this, I, yeah, in this form. And that's the thing. Yeah. Why? Obviously, a HomePod needs to exist. But I don't know. We were expecting more exciting things, I think. Yeah. We were expecting... Uh, are you? At some point in the future, I th- I think it will be it will be vastly different to this, like a um, display MagSafe yeah. integration of some sort. Who knows? But like you know, like I've always wanted is like a soundbar with a camera in it, right? Like they do like the whole thing. So I found a support article by the way. The original HomePod can be set up as a home hub, which is a mounted controller, but it doesn't have a thread radio in it, so it can't do thread enabled matter accessory stuff. So. It's like yes and no. If if you want a home hub and you want your home pod to be a home hub and you want the best matter experience, you would want the new one or the mini. I just uh, I don't know. I don't get it. I find this whole thing pretty disappointing to be honest. So you are you going to buy one? No, I'm all in on Sonos baby. No mm-hmm. one's taking me away from that. I st- I mean I have two original home pods. I'm not replacing those with these. I'm not going 600 pounds into this mm-hmm. for when I, I really don't think that I, I I won't get any benefit out of any of this. Like uh, what I have thought of doing and what I probably will do in the future for smart home control is just get a couple of HomePod minis and use them just as smart home controlling like audio things. That's all I would really want it for. I wouldn't want to go to the level of buying these big ones and having them as the TV speakers anymore. Um, I think I'm going to go with a soundbar in the future for that because I think it would just be better in the space that we have now. Um, But yeah, so once everything's done, then I'll probably get HomePod Mini, like put one upstairs, one downstairs. But that that's as far as I would go. I, I I this this product is not interesting to me personally. Yeah, I mean, I I thought about this for like 15 seconds. I was like, hey, do I want a new HomePod? And then I said for 15 seconds, and then I said, no, I don't need one. Hmm. Because really, um, they could have made this more exciting. Here's the thing. There are some things that I really need at this point, um, which is obviously matter support. We get that. Pretty good audio quality, of course, the... I mean, even if it sounds worse than the original HomePod, it's still going to sound good, I think. It sounds great. But yeah, it's really good. The HomePod sounds great. Like, it, yeah. And, of course, the other feature, multilingual Siri, and it doesn't have it. So it doesn't have the features that I need. And it doesn't have the features that I want. The features that I want was like a new design, maybe some kind of display. We talked about having like, I don't know, some kind of docking station for your phone. I think other companies are doing more exciting things on this front and they have more variety. They have more choice. And so it doesn't have the features that I need. It doesn't have the things that I want. Why would I get it? Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty underwhelmed, I think, is is a good word to describe this. I feel I feel the same way. I think if our big one in the kitchen died, 
I would consider this because the way our house is laid out, that's pretty central and it's nice to have good music in there. But I'm not going to replace the HomePod minis in my office or the HomePod mini in our bedroom with this. I'm really happy with the mini, especially for the money. And uh, this is out there if you want it. And I think a pair of them, you know, using eARC and all that stuff would be cool. But I just I don't have a place where it fits, especially at, at its price point. This episode of Connected is made possible by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Has filling out payment fields given you a headache? Has your mobile banking app been down when you really wanted to use it? Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking. This means easier access to their money and more security. That's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud with random forests, with models that quickly detect suspicious activity and make it easier to alert federal investigators. And they help identify mobile app outages, uh, why they happen, these cause and models for that. And this means that keeping a um, banking mobile app up and running, that's easier. That stuff doesn't happen by accident. Engineers need the information so they can remedy the problems. Capital One also speeds up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, which helps make using virtual card numbers easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is so big. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One or check out the link in the show notes. Capital One, what's in your wallet? So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on third-party Twitter apps going away. Me and Jason spoke about it a bunch on Upgrade, but I think this is something that we probably all have some very complex emotions over. Um, and also now the tw- de- like the Twitter developer account has confirmed, in essence, that it you know what they have done was purposeful, even though it doesn't make any sense by saying that they are was it enforcing their long-standing rules for the third-party API. My thought was that the rule of the third-party API is that it doesn't work, right? Like, that's the only rule that they <laughs> are standing by. We are enforcing our long-standing API rules. That's what they're saying, which is just ridiculous, the whole thing. And so I just wanted to see what you guys felt about it. Like, do you have any simple or complex emotions about Twitter apps going away? Uh, well, like uh, obviously, I'm personally uh sad and nostalgic i mean this is i think the the most common feeling to have about these apps if you've been around in our community for a while and you've been doing this for how long we've been doing this you know that they're just apps but in many ways they also uh represent i think a period of our lives when you know twitter was more fun and we all got to know each other or we were in the process of getting to know one another i mean i'm pretty sure that our first private interaction was a DM on Twitter using yep. one of these apps. Yep. Um, and so it's not just about the apps. I mean, sure, the apps were great, but it was about really the, the that period of our lives. This show exists because of a Twitter DM. Exactly. So like they're just apps. I DM'd Federico to ask him if he wanted to be a part of this show that me and Steven wanted to make. Right, right. But but they have, they, they, they're apps that have real personal um, consequences in a good way. Like they, they led to you know careers and connections and all of that and and i think also 
I don't know, they take me back to a time when, you know, I know that the expression, you don't like this one, Mike, but, you know, Twitter apps being a UI playground, it's overused <laughs> and we've heard it before. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I don't like when these things then become like memes. I know. I know, That's I know. It won't become when when you know the general pub public appropriates these expressions and they keep using them yeah, over and it was over a and over. Beautiful turn of phrase that then just everybody used. But like, yeah. it, I agree with that sentiment completely. Like, I was just thinking about it, right? Like, pull to refresh came from a Twitter app. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like so many of these Twitter apps, like Tweetbot, yeah. Twitterific, the, the ones now, yeah, they like revolutionized UI design. The word tweet, yeah. came from a third-party app. Exactly. Yeah. So but I just mean like the overall effect on all applications. Yeah. So much of it came from yes. just Twitter apps. hundred percent. Yes. So there's that personal aspect of like, yeah, man, good times. Then there is of of course the the the, the fact that I think in our in our in our scene in our in our little corner of the internet. A lot of things are changing right now. It feels like we're living... I don't know, maybe it's just me, uh, but at least I feel like we're going through this transitional phase with Twitter and Mastodon, Apple coming out with a new platform. It just feels like it's another of those changes that in this tech niche of the internet we are witnessing right now. It's not... I don't know, at least for me, it doesn't feel like a, like a stable period it feels like it, it's a period of change and it's exciting right but it requires bandwidth and it requires focus and it requires time to adapt and twitter apps going away is another of those changes to add to the list and lastly of course the third thing i'll point out is that this is yet another case of a guy with no taste right and with no decency with no with no class, really. I think it all comes down to that. Uh, Elon Musk is a man with no class, no elegance. He's just a, a buffoon with money, throwing that money around, thinking he's smart enough to outsmart everybody else, when in fact he's just a rude boy with a ton of money, maybe less than before, actually. Uh, a lot less. Just making... A lot less than before. Just making <laughs> silly decisions with no elegance and no taste, no respect for what came before, which is unsurprising. I mean, we all sort of knew this was going to happen. This is exactly what we, we know. What some of us said, oh, he's going to do this for sure. Some people were like, no, I actually think Elon Musk is good for a company. I mean, yeah, we all see how this is turning out. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's another example of a guy with money, you know, you know, just uh, breaking his new toy because it's not working the way he thought it was going to work. And so I am honestly sad for those developers. I mean, imagine being a developer, you know, imagine the tap bots, folks. They have annual renewals coming up for Tweetbot. And of course, we all knew that, you know, building a business on top of a foundation as shaky as the Twitter API was always it was always gonna have an element of risk, a high you had element. You to be ready of risk. for this something you had like to be, this happening. You had at some to be point. ready. But at the very least, give them the the decency of a heads up of like, you know, just anything but this. And then you try to be to explain yourself with the with a super short tweet in which you 
claim that you're just applying the existing, what did they say, guidelines, whatever? API rules. or API yeah. rules, sure, sure. You just, Twitter is in free fall at the moment in all regards. The product, the service, the community, the financial aspect of the company. And it just feels sad to watch. I feel I feel sad for those developers and I I I hope that they can find a sustainable business elsewhere. Of course I'm you know thinking back I was taking a look at some of my old posts from Mac stories you know that era of 2009 2010 with those screenshots of Tweetbot and Tweetbot in 2011 uh, but those screenshots of Twitter refic and all those Twitter clients Good times, good times, and and I'm glad. I'm glad that I have the screenshots. You know, if only for historical purposes. Let let me just say that now more than ever with these things, I understand why Stephen likes to screenshot and archive everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw a video um, a couple of days ago. I'll try and find it, and put it in the show notes. Of someone doing a walkthrough. I think it might have been the official walk, like walkthrough yes. video of the first yes. version of Tweetbot. It's like, damn, that was an app. Like, yeah, man, that mm. like that that yeah. that first version, yeah, just like, it was mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it was very very special. This is I'm not saying what the app is or is not now, but like back at that time, the UI and audio design was just it was next level. It was super good stuff. It was the first app I think I ever left the sound effects on for. Yeah, because it was like all these little bleeps and bloops and and i mean look twitterific like all of these did a good job and federico i 100 percent agree with you torpedo to torpedoing small businesses and their apps literally in the middle of the night and not saying anything to them and then you have this like super aggressive but vague tweet about oh we're just enforcing the rules we've always had like jason said an upgrade it's cowardly it's mm-hmm. It's completely inappropriate and immature. And I, I get from a business sense, like maybe that why they want to do this. They're trying to get into advertising and, and make that work. And But there were so many other ways they could have done it. And they mm-hmm. took the, the cheap shortcut to just cutting them off. Didn't even do it completely because there are some clients out there that still work. They just drew a, an arbitrary line. Anybody above that line in terms of users got cut off. And it's it's terrible. And... I think for a lot of people in our community, it's yet another strike against Twitter's current <laughs> current leadership. And, um, and yeah, it just makes me sad because it does mark the end of an era for these for these apps. Right. And, and you know, you mentioned we mentioned Tweetbot's original design like these apps. Uh, I mean, Twitter started as like a Mac menu bar app way back in the day. And then it was when you could like jailbreak before the app store. Twitterific was there. Like these apps have marked huge moments in our collective history as a community, and they didn't get a proper goodbye. You know, they just got shut off at night with no warning. These developers got, you know, caught off guard by it. And it just stinks. It really does. And it, it makes me sad. I wanted to ask Mike, have you thought again about your plans for? sort of your presence online with the exception of your podcasts? I mean, this doesn't make any difference to, right? Because I wasn't using 
these apps, right? Right. But like, I mean, obviously I've been thinking about it a lot. Like I'm talking about it a lot on various shows and stuff and like trying to work out how things feel. Like right now, not being on any kind of, uh, I don't even know what to call it, like Twitter-like social network. Like, Is there a name? Is is everyone in the Fediverse, have they given it a name yet? What is this type of social media? Is there a name for it? Like Uh, short form text, social media, like... I just figured that if considering there are now so many competing services that maybe there was some kind of like agreed upon name for what these kinds of things. Yeah, microblogging. Yeah, maybe. Says Mike in the Discord. Let's see, I'll go with that, right? These microblogging services. Uh, I actually kind of, at the moment, like I, I'm enjoying my time away from it. Um, it was a distraction for me. In a lot of ways, and I'm liking not having that distraction. Like, it's actually been pretty good. Uh, I think at some point, I will want to do something, but I don't know what. Like, the ability to be able to share some kind of, like, occasional observation somewhere, right? Like, that isn't a tweet. Uh, Sorry, that isn't on a show. Uh, The idea, though, of having a website, right? Say, like probably closer to Steven than you, Federico, right? It's like what the types of websites are, right? Because 512 is more personal than Mac Stories is. Is that fair to say? I mean, Mac Stories is multiple people, so... Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the idea of doing something like that right now, I don't have time for that. Like, I have my hands full building Cortex brand. Like, in the sense of, like, having something else that's not my podcast, like, that's what that is. Like, I'm putting a lot of time into that, so, like, I don't... I can't, the idea of even having a blog where people might expect me to post something every now and then, like that just feels terrifying to me right now, right? It's like a, a, some kind of expectation thing to exist. The, the feedback system that we have has completely replaced the only thing I felt like I was missing, which was the ability for listeners to be able to get in contact with me and tell me things about episodes. It'd be a great success so far. I don't know if you agree, Stephen, but like I've been very happy with that tool. Me too. Because now people are sending me in corrections to me, questions to me, like all that kind of stuff. It's brilliant. Love it. I think there's still an open question for me as if Twitter was useful in promoting things, but like I, I don't I felt like the answer was no. I don't know the answer to that yet though, right? That's gonna be something I'll work out down the line. So, you know, maybe one day there is a Mike Hurley account on Mastodon that's effectively uh, write only for me, you know? Like, I don't necessarily read anything at all. Like, don't follow things or don't read replies or whatever, but it's a, like a basically a bot. But to be honest, like, I don't even really know if that... That just, just feels inauthentic for me. So it's, I'm kind of like, I'm either in or I'm out, and right now I'm out. Like, and I'm, I'm good with that for where I am right now. I know to a lot of people it is unsatisfying as an answer, but like my non-use of Mastodon is not a judgment of your use of it, right? Like, right. Like, that's not what this is. I'm not saying Mastodon is bad, but uh-huh. my usage of microblogging services got bad for me. Yeah, and I think like, that makes sense. Yeah. I even, uh, maybe I'm gone forever or I just need a long time away to reset habits, but I need that time away now, which is not a thing that I had done before, is a thing that Stephen had done to great effect in the past many times, but this isn't something that I've done 
for any more than like, you know, I did it once as like a podcast experiment on analog, right? Where it was like I was doing it for the experiment, right? But the, the, the it was never like, well, I'm gone now. But like this is like I'm gone now and I'm just seeing what that is feeling like. Mm. I really am like I'm super happy with the time that I chose to pack it in. Like I feel like I got it just at the right moment. I feel like it wasn't too early, wasn't too late. It's just like <laughs> beautiful, sweet spot, like for me. Yeah. Like I'm out. And then everything just then it was like the wall started crumbling down. Maybe what I'm saying is maybe I was the final piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? Could have been. Yeah, for maybe. everything. Could have been. Started really, really going bad. Yeah, man. I feel a little bit differently about this because I have five twelve. Um I I do think at some point I, I will explore Mastodon a, a little bit. But like Mike right now, I'm I'm pretty happy without anything uh anything like this. Now I'm still checking mentions on a couple of accounts, like the show accounts and the uh the network account, and I can just tell you on Twitter it's just completely dead. Like there's nothing well, going on over there anymore. Um I think they might be broken. <laughs> they could be broken. Like um, on at least one account, like so, you know, the I'm only checking on the Cortex account at the moment because it's the only one I'm posting to. Like, I don't know how long that's going to last, but it's that was always a manual thing. There was no bot that posted to it, mm-hmm. and the mentions that I sometimes have seen in like the like the all of it tab or whatever they call it, and the mentions tab is just like the mentions cut off at some point in early January, but the all tab has new mentions in it. So like. Something's broken <laughs> somewhere for me. I don't know. So so like Mike, I am really happy with the feedback form, but I do miss seeing the conversations between other people to a degree. And and that I think at some point, you know, I may end up checking in on Macedon occasionally. But for now, I, I want a, a break. And, you know, I've been off Twitter I don't know how long. Um Time is is a flat circle, but for now I'm I'm pretty okay with where I am, and that may change in the future, right? Um, but I do think my my sort of issue of like having a place to share things, I have that solved in a way that Mike maybe doesn't, and uh, and that is helping tide this over. But we'll see. I mean, I I don't know long term. I think I think for me it was an opportunity to kind of step back and and consider how I use these things and. Uh, I mean, I have noticed like some days, like substantially more time in my day and substantially less stress in my day. And and I like those things. And um, one nice thing about the feedback tool is that if someone says something that I would want to debate, like I, there's no way for me to do that. I mean, I could put it on a show and talk <laughs> about it. I could copy yeah. and paste their email address out of our CMS and email them randomly, but that is not something I want to do. And uh-huh. So I feel like I, I mean, I wasn't arguing a lot on Twitter before. Years ago, I did a lot and because I was young and foolish and I, I grew out of that, thankfully. But not everyone has. And I feel like the feedback tool has dialed that down even more. And that's something that I didn't really consider when we were building the feedback tool, but it's been a nice side effect of it. Mm-hmm. Federico, I'm sure you're having a great time. On Mastodon, like I, oh, yeah. I, I expect, I expect you're you're enjoying it. Oh yeah, I'm having a, I'm having a lot of fun. It's uh, it's it's nice to have. It. I actually think I have a, I have a bigger audience there than on Twitter. Um, even though the numbers are you know in, are are smaller, 
Uh, but it's I know that it's all real active people who are actively using Mastodon right now, and it's been going super well as a way to just uh, yep. talk about stuff, share articles, answer questions from readers, and all of that. It's, it's great. Maybe you were shadow banned on Twitter. Maybe you know I mean? was. Maybe I, I mean, was. I mean, serious. That was a joke, but in a serious note, like potentially there not being an algorithm might mean that people are seeing your content more as well right like that could actually be mm -hmm. a thing so i mean I, I also the impression i've gotten from other friends that are there is like there is a, a i mean it, what it sounds like to me is what twitter used to sound like early on where like people are just excited to be on mastodon right now and there's like a desire for content yes. Yes. so like there's just a lot more conversation happening there's, because yeah. it's like a thing when ivory comes out like i i will download it and sign in and see what that app is like because i Every screenshot I've seen, it's like it looks really pretty, and I just want to see what it's all about. Um, I'm never around when there's open spots, right? <laughs> it's like it's just I never see. It. But also, it's like at this point, I'll just wait. Like I, I'm not, I don't need it now if I'm not going to use it mm. anyway, right? So I'll just wait for it to come out. Like because I'm just intrigued because it looks like uh, Tapbots of they're doing more on the design of that app than I was expecting them to do. Like what this doesn't feel like. You could correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't feel like Netbot, which was just Tweetbot mm. but with App.net and just different no. color. No, no, it's it's more it's more like you can tell that it's a, it's based on the foundation of Tweetbot, but it's going in its own direction. And so I want to see what does like a brand new design from Tapbots in 2023 look like. I'm just intrigued about yep. that. I'm also really intrigued to see whatever uh, Icon Factory do. Uh, I really recommend people read Craig Hockenberry's beautiful blog post yeah. um, about this. And, you know, his kind of like sign off was really encouraging to me where he's like, hey, we might do something else. Like we, there's a lot of stuff going on right now all over federated social media. And, you know, imagine imagine if they can do something that was like Twitterific, but for all of this stuff, right? Like that influential, you know, like so... I'm I'm really excited about what this opportunity could hold for developers because there was a reason that this all worked on Twitter before and it wasn't because of Twitter. Like it was the community being excited about a service and then adopting the applications of people that made them and, you know, supporting those apps. And so like I hope that that happens again because that would be fantastic and but, you know, I just need to work out what my place is in all of it. This was just a time for me to take a break, you know? Well, I think that does it for this week. If you want to find links to uh, stuff we spoke about, including the form you should fill out to help Mike build the next season of the quizzes, uh, they're in your podcast player. They're also on the web at relay.fm slash connected slash 433. Uh, when you're on the website, you can leave feedback. Uh, there's a submit feedback button there. You can fill out a little form, uh, send us a note, a question, uh, follow up, whatever you want. You can write a poem in there. That'd be nice to, to find. I want some haikus. Let's get some haikus going. Although I don't think we have line breaks, but you, you, we'll work it we out. We don't currently have line we'll breaks. We'll work it out. Use slashes. We'll work it out. It's on the list. Out. You can find us uh, elsewhere online. You can find uh, Federico. He is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. He's also the co-host of App Stories with our friend John Voorhees. Excellent podcast. I don't miss an episode. 
Uh, so go check out all of what Federico is up to over there. Thank you. You can find Mike on other shows here on Relay FM, and he's the co-founder of Cortex Brand. You can learn more about that at cortexmerch.com. You can find my writing at 512pixels.net, uh, and I'm also the co-host of Mac Power Users here on the Relay FM podcast network. I'd like to thank our members. Uh, if you are a member, you get longer ad-free versions of the show each and every week. If that sounds good to you, or Discord access, or a cool newsletter, or awesome wallpapers, that stuff sounds exciting to you, you can join. There's some buttons on the connected webpage. There's also a link in your show notes to join. It's just $5 a month. And uh, thank you all who support the show directly. On Connected Pro this week, I unveil a thrilling secret. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was spicy. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's one for the ages <laughs> leave it at that <laughs> i'd like to thank our sponsors this week uh nom nom electric and capital one and until next week guys say goodbye Adieu, cheerio bye y'all